0: A couple of weeks ago, I made a statement that that God still has his hand on America. God is still blessing America. I know that because we're still here. I know that because we haven't been destroyed. We haven't been taken into slavery. And I made the statement, anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, obviously you've never read the Old Testament. Well, here in Jeremiah chapter 29, we have just such an event. Jeremiah is often referred to as the weeping prophet because of his broken heart for his nation, his broken heart for the people of God. He is weeping because God's people, his nation, those around him, like America, our people, our our fellow kinsmen, they, they are wandering away from the things of God. They have strayed, and God has given him some visions there that he brings in. His call comes in the 13th year of Josiah King, and, and his prophecies are not welcome. Because he's telling them what God said. Tell them, if they do not turn from their wicked ways, if they do not turn back to me, if they do not turn away from their sin, I'm going to destroy the country, and I'm going to take them away into slavery. Well, obviously, that's what nobody wants to hear, right? So they didn't heed the warning, Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, they did destroy Jerusalem. 586 B.C., you have the destruction of Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar gives Jeremiah an option. He can go to Babylon with the captive, or he can remain there in Jerusalem. He can stay there with the poor remnant that stays behind in the destroyed city. And he chooses to stay there and to minister to the remnant, to be a, a part of it. Now, against his warning, some of the people decide after the murder of of Gedaliah that that they wanted to go to Egypt and he warned against it, but they end up going anyway. And most scholars say that's probably where Jeremiah died. But, but he goes and, and here, Jeremiah is prophesying. He's speaking to the people chapter 29 and verse number four. He says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel unto all that are carried away captives to whom I have caused. I want you to underline those three words. That's very important. I want you to notice what Jeremiah said that God said. He says to all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. God said, I gave you a warning and you didn't listen. I gave you a chance and you didn't heed it. So I have fulfilled my promise. Now, beginning in verse number ten, we have the text that'll start taking us to our message this morning, for thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Anybody see that? I knoweth the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. That word expect is always looking to a future event. That is is expecting, that is great expectations, that that is looking forward to something with a certainty of its happenings. God says that he's looking forward in our lives with a great expectancy. That means God has a great plan for your life. God has a great plan for our lives. God has something in store. It's not going to be happenstance. You're not going to accidentally find it. You're not going to stumble into it. God has a plan. And he says, I've prepared those things there. And then in verse number 12, he gives us some directions on how to get to that plan. He says, then shall ye call upon me. ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Ye shall seek me and find me when? You shall search for me with all your heart. You're not going to trip. You're not going to bump. You, you're not, the, when, when you search for me, I'm going to be found. When you set out to seek my will for your life, when you desire what I have in store for you, you're going to be found. You'll be found, saith the Lord. I, I want to look this morning for just a few minutes at five ways to know God's will for your life. Mm. God, thank you so much. For being so good, so long-suffering, so patient, so kind, so merciful, so loving, so forgiving. God, thank you so much for loving someone like me in spite of me. Thank you, God, for this church, for this place. Thank you for Brother Doug, for your missionaries that are doing your work. Thank you for their heart, God. Thank you for the way they're stirring your word and the way that they're allowing you to use their lives. God, I pray you'd put that fire in us. I pray, God, you give us your vision, your wisdom, your desire for our life and help us, God, to live a life pleasing to you. Father, we love you. It is our heart's desire, God, above everything else that we do this morning. May you be pleased with everything that happens here. I ask you to move upon your people. Speak to us, God. Have us to do what you'd have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And All God's people said, amen. So a little bit, a little bit of a, <coughs> a memory lane. How many of you remember the days? This won't be a lot, but some of us will. How many of you remember black and white TV? Wow, we're older than I thought we were. How many of you have ever watched TV on a little 13-inch black and white? Rabbit ears, little round for the UHF, turn just right and hold downtown antenna and try to get it to make reception. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have moved past the black and white days and you and now on a flat panel hanging on your wall? You ain't never heard what? You never heard of black and white? <laughs> I know our computer screens are bigger than that day, right? So, so, so a little, a little more recent. How many of you, how many of you have smartphones, smartphones, cell phones, smartphones? Okay, how many of you have a flip phone? Five. Five is the number of grace. God knows y'all need it. Everybody remember the flip phone? You know, you had your old boulder. How many of you, maybe you're like me, even after, <coughs> after HDTV came out with the big screens, we just kept hanging on to what we had. We just kept watching what we got. We didn't need all that HD. We didn't, need all, we didn't know how good that Georgia Bulldog G looked until we got HD. We just kept hanging on. You know, we hung on to our old Boulder phones forever, right? The old flip phone is tough. You know, I don't need all that stuff. I don't need all that thing giving me directions. I don't need all that computer on my phone. I, anybody know what I'm talking about? But how many of us, after we finally made the change... What in the world was I waiting on? Why in the world did I take so long? You know, I used to know how to get to anywhere. And nowadays, I'm beginning to lose my way home. If I don't ask my phone how to get me there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that, that now that we've moved on, you wonder why in the world did I take so long to make the change? So now that you've made the change, how many of you today, when you leave here, as if Walmart had one in the first place, you're going to go by Walmart and buy you an old black and white. You're going to go home and take your wall-sized flat panel down off, and you're going to set your little 13-inch black and white up on a TV in the corner, and that's what you're going to watch from now on. Any takers? Any takers? Anybody leaving here today and you're going to stop and you're going to take your smartphone, now that you've learned how to use it, I know there were days we might have drowned one or tossed a couple out the window, but after you buy a couple of those, you'll, you'll learn to control your temper a little bit. And, and so now that you've learned how to use it and you've learned how to get directions and you learn that that thing can answer all kinds of questions, and I would say hey to that S word, but all your phones would go off and ask you what do you want right now, so I'm not going to say it. But once you learn how to get directions and you learn, you got all your apps in it. and Now you got your, your Facebook and your, your YouTube and, and your, your, what are all the Instagram and, and, and whatever all you have, you got all your stuff. Now that you've got it, you know how to use it. How many of you are going to stop on the way home, throw that thing out the window and you're going to go back to the old flip phone. Hmm. So the bottom line, now that we have it, it is why did we wait so long each time that we finally made an an upgrade we saw with our own eyes what a difference it made and we're like why did I wait so long to make the change that's what God has in store for our spiritual life we we held on to the old stuff we held on to the old tv we we held on to the flip phone because we were satisfied I mean after all it was the best thing I'd ever had right Until I got better. So we hung on to things because we were content with what we had. We were comfortable watching that little TV because we didn't know how much better it could be. And in some cases, we were afraid to even try something new. We were afraid of some uncertainties, afraid of some unknowns. Now, many Christians, that's where we're living today in our spiritual lives. Now, now don't lose the message. I understand Hebrews 13, 5 tells us to be content with such things as you have. But that's that's talking about the physical life. That's not talking about our spiritual life. That means even if what we have is poverty, be content. Be content with things that we have because God told us in this life that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we know that wherever we are, God has his hand on us there. So, So we're to be content with some physical things. That's all well and good. But the word of God never tells us to be content in our spiritual lives. You got your bulletin turned to the back right there if you want to keep notes. That's going to be one of your questions. The word of God never tells us to be content in our spiritual lives. Many Christians live the exact opposite of what the scriptures say. We are perfectly content to be mediocre in our spiritual lives, but we have to have the best when it comes to televisions and cell phones. In many cases, we're, we're okay with mediocrity when it comes to coming to church. That's why you go from high attendance Sunday at Easter to low attendance Sunday the week after. In many cases, we're we're content with mediocrity when it comes to the things of church and when it comes to godly things. But we have to have the best when it comes to worldly things. For many Christians, we're we're willing in the spiritual life, we're we're willing to settle for this 13-inch Black and white TV in our spiritual life, we're willing to settle for just a little bit. We're willing to settle trying to hang on to the rabbit ears, trying to get reception to come in when God has something so much better planned. We're we're willing to be content to just hanging on, you know, on rainy days. How many of you remember on rainy days, you might well turn the TV off. You wasn't getting reception. I guess that's why us Baptists don't come into church on rainy days. The reception's bad. We're we're so busy hanging on to this little life, but God has so much more. God has like this 95-inch OLED, HDMI, 8K resolution in store for your life, and we're content to watch this little 13-inch black and white. We're content with mediocrity in in our spiritual life. We're content with just this little trickle of water coming in. When God says he has a well of water springing up into everlasting life, a river of water just waiting to flow in us and flow through us that God might do something mighty in us and that God might do something mighty through us. But when we decide that, that mediocrity is no longer good enough for our God, When we decide that what we want is what God has planned for our lives. When we decide that we want to commit ourselves to seek for him and search for him with all of our hearts. The scripture says that he will be found of us, saith the Lord. There's no better place on this earth in this life than the center of God's will. There is is no better place than living exactly where God wants us to be. Now, here's some misconceptions. Living in the center of the perfect will, go ahead and get ready to say amen, brother. Living in the center of the perfect will of God does not mean a life without problems. It it means a life where problems brings in new possibilities. Living in the center of God's will doesn't mean we're going to live a life without storms. But a life where storms brings new growth. Living in the center of the will of God for our life doesn't mean that we're going to live in a life without hard times. But a life where hard times brings new perspectives. It doesn't mean that we'll, we'll live a life without some trials. But a life where our trials will increase our faith. It doesn't mean that we'll live a life without test, but but a life where each test creates a new testimony of the goodness of God. Somebody, please say amen. God doesn't want us to be satisfied with mediocrity in our faith because God has a great faith in store for us. He doesn't want us satisfied with simplicity. We serve a God of supremacy. We serve a God that that can do all things. The only way to achieve God's purpose is, God's plan for our life to be in the center of God's will is to seek for him and to search for him. You can't be a little left or a little right. This isn't horseshoes. There's no close enough. It's not a little ahead or a little behind. It is what is the center of God's will for my life. Because when you are in the center of God's will, there is peace no matter the storm. There is victory no matter the challenge. There is hope, no matter how hopeless it may look. There is harmony in the midst of confusion, but it's only available in the center of God's will. Now, the truth is, the absolute best time, y'all ready? Anybody listening? Say amen. The absolute best time to put your life in the center of God's will for your life is already gone. It's already passed. But we can't go back, right? So that means the next best time to put my life in the center of God's will for my life is when? Right now. So now is the best time that we have left to find out what is the center of God's will. The psalmist says there in chapter 84, he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Than to dwell in in the tents of the wicked. But he says in verse 11 of chapter 84. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Oh Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. How can we be that kind of man? that, That kind of woman? How can we walk uprightly in the will of God for our lives? The Apostle Paul tells us, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body to what? Living sacrifice. sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That, that's what God expects. So, so it, we already have the, the direction. A, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice until it is brought to the altar and surrendered. Nobody heard that. I'm going to say it again. A sacrifice is not a sacrifice until it is brought to the altar and surrendered. That that means a living sacrifice is not possible until that life has been brought and laid at the altar and surrendered to the will of another. That's what a living sacrifice is. Father, here I am. I am surrendering my will to your will. What is your will for my life? I surrender All my opinions don't matter. My desires don't matter. My wants don't matter. My things on earth don't matter. God, I am. That's a sacrifice. That's what Paul says. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. God, here I am. I surrender everything. And here's why I can do that. Because I know you're the God of everything. You're the God that can walk me through the storm. You're the God that can walk on my storm. Let me walk on my storm. I can walk on the water if I'm in plain view of you. You're the one that can take away my leprosy. You're the one that can give sight to my blindness. You're the one that can put strength in my crippled legs. You're the one that can overcome my enemy. You're the one that can make me victorious over my trials. You're the one that can give me what I need and I know those things. And because I know those things, and because I trust you, I'm going to surrender everything. I'm giving everything to you. Verse number two, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. And and there it is. There it is. There's what we're looking for. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word conform, it means to be changed. It it means to to be shaped or, or reshaped. It is to be Changed from one image into another image. So, so we're to be conformed. We're to be shaped. We're to be changed by the renewing of our minds that we might walk according to the things of God and not according to the things of this world. So that we might follow the things of God and not the things of the flesh. Jesus said the same thing. Matthew chapter 10 verse 39. He said, he that findeth his life shall lose it. but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. God makes his will known to those who refuse to settle for second best in their spiritual life. Those who will seek him, those who will search for him with all of their heart. God says, they're going to be found in me. So with all that being said, how can we know the will of God for our lives? Ephesians 5:17 says, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is now if you have your little note your thing you may want to refer to it there on the back most of those will get answered right about here somewhere in the next little bit how do we know the will of God now the five things this certainly is not an exhaustive list this is this is by no means conclusive matter of fact this is barely even a starter kit of how to know God's will but I promise you if you'll keep these five things you'll begin to know God's will You'll begin to sense God's will in your life. These aren't earth shattering. These aren't groundbreaking. This ain't new. None of these are anything you've never heard. This is just reminders of what we can easily do if we want to know God's will for our life. Number one, you ready? Now, this one may be earth shattering. You may have never heard this one before. You ready? Read God's word every day. Every day. You want to know the will of God, you've got to read the word of God. God will never contradict his already revealed written word. In the word of God, we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. The word testament simply means will. The, The word testament, it is a solemn, authentic instrument in writing by which a person declares his will. Which means the word testament for the scripture simply means God's will. We we have the the Old Testament, the old will, the law and the prophets. And we have the New Testament, God's new will. He has already fulfilled the law and the prophet. and, And so if we never study the word of God, then we can never know the will of God. Listen, God's not going to do you and I any different than he did Moses. Somebody, somebody right here, listen, I need to pay close attention. This will help you find God's will for your life because we have this image. Here's what we want to know. Help me out. God, what do you want with my life? And we're looking for the whole picture. We're looking for the, am I going to the Dominican Republic? How many churches am I going to build? How many souls am I going to be saved? What am I going to do? God, where am I going to have to go? Who am I going to be married to? How long am I going to live? We want the whole big picture. God, what is your will for my life? That is not what God's going to do. Get up and open his book in the morning and look for what his will is tomorrow see in Moses he didn't call Moses out of a burning bush and say here's what I want you to do I want you to go over to Egypt you're going to deliver my people we're going to do all these plagues you're going to go off this stuff Pharaoh ain't going to listen so I'm going to have to send you down I'm going to back you up against the Red Sea when you get over there I'm going to part the Red Sea get you to the other side but my people they're going to murmur and complain and and, man you're going to be sick of them you're going to wish I'd never sent you and and then you're going to get over here and and they're going to look into the promised land and they're going to be afraid of the people 10 of the 12 spies are going to say we can't overtake the land and you're going to wander lost in the wilderness for 40 years, but I'm going to bless you. He didn't tell him anything about the man. I'm going to give you bread for every day of the 40 years. He didn't tell him anything about the water from the rock at Horeb. He didn't tell him any about the great miracles. Here's what he said. I want you to go back over here and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. That's the command. And you're not going to get step two until you completed step one. The reason we can't figure out what God's will is, we want to know the whole picture now. How many years have I got to wander in the wilderness? How many years have I got to stay lost? How many days are we going to be thirsty? How many sheep am I going to have to sacrifice? We want the whole picture now. God says, no, you go over there. And then as each plague is fulfilled, God brings the next one. As each day is supplied, God brings about the next one day by day. So if we want to know what the the, the will of God is, we need to read the word of God day by day. God, God's not going to give us our whole plan at one setting at the table, but he will give you your plan for today. Today, sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. We don't have to take no thought for tomorrow. God, what do you want me to do? right now. That's why it's so important that we read the word of God every day. Congratulations to those of you who are still, I believe it's a hundred plus of you who are still reading the Bible through in a year this year together as a church. Praise God. You've, you've accomplished some things. You've finished the Pentateuch. You've read the first five books of the Bible, the law written by the hand of Moses. You're over halfway, almost two thirds of the way through with the incredible book of Joshua. I know we had to go through about two weeks of all that bloodshed and rams and lambs and goats and like, oh, Lord God, when does this stop? Thank God it stopped at the cross. Yeah, somebody got that. And, and, and the blood of Jesus is sufficient and all that's no longer necessary. You, you've completed 84 of the 150 Psalms. You've completed almost half of the Proverbs. You've, you've finished the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. You're, you're two-thirds of the way through with the Gospel of Luke. More than that, you've spent 106 days of this year reading God's Word every single day. Congratulations. If you're behind, if you're behind, do one or two things. Number one, catch up. If there's any way possible... Catch up. If you think you're too far behind to catch up, take a paperclip. Take the page where you are and turn to the day and paperclip that in and say, I ain't read this yet and pick up the day and finish the year. Amen? If you have a day for some extra reading, make up a day and try to make it up. If you don't, when it gets to January, don't worry. If Jesus had not come back, you go back to that little paperclip part and you read it. Just don't quit. Amen? God shows it is very important that we read the word of God Day by day. Number two, the will of God for our lives is revealed through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. First Corinthians chapter six, Paul says in verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Romans eight fourteen says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You, you, notice, you notice the catchphrase? Not just everybody's the sons of God. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The, the Holy Spirit is that still small voice that will, that will speak to you and I if we'll just listen. Let me tell you some things he's not going to do. He's not going to shout. He's not going to argue with you. He's going to give you God's will. He, he's not going to try to compete over all of the noise and all the stuff of the world and all the pollution that we put in. He's not going to compete with that. Here's what the Holy Spirit will do. If you will turn off the noise of the world, set those things aside, read God's word, sit down and pray. Sorry, sorry. I just don't know of a better term. Shut up and listen. Listen. I I don't know how it's that. Be quiet. Is that more polite? Be quiet and listen. That's just old Southern coming. I mean, same thing. Shut up, be quiet. Y'all, is there any difference in that? Just listen. The Holy Spirit's got something to say. And it is direction for our lives. And if we just be quiet, we're we're so busy trying to get God to show us what what is it that you want me to do with, with my life? He's trying to show you. He's trying to tell you in the book and he's trying to speak. But we have so much world, so much noise. Delete Facebook. Delete Instagram. Delete the stuff that is consuming your time so that you're putting so much time into that stuff. You have no time for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Delete all the stuff that is consuming your time. Take a a little, a little test tomorrow. Write down what you're doing in your time and find out how much time we squander. And then find something you want to give up and give five minutes to listen to the voice of God and see what he does. If we'll just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we must allow God to transform the way we think. We, we see it there. In Romans 12, 2. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to know the will of God for our lives. We must allow God to transform our minds. God says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than than your thoughts. Twice in the New Testament, we're told as children of God to put off the old man. It's more than just that. It's put off, yes, the old way of life, but it's put off the old way of thinking. And the only way to do that is to one, read the word of God. Number two is to listen to the spirit of God and allow God to transform us. And that takes us to number four. Spend time in prayer with God spend time in prayer with God prayer puts us in a proper attitude I knew we had the breakfast this morning I wanted my prayer time I wanted my study time I wanted to get up and I did the dumb thing asking the Lord to wake me up a little bit early I'm thinking five God I don't ever wait till five do nothing so anyway, about four, I woke up, I looked at the clock and I thought, God, that's a little earlier than what I had in mind. If you don't mind, I'd like to go back to sleep. But God had something better. God, God gave me something. I'm like, man, that's good. After that, I couldn't go back to sleep. And then and, and, and it evolved around this prayer deal. Here, here's, here's what gave me. God gave me looking back at the beginning. Do you know it doesn't matter how big your flat panel is? It doesn't matter how HD your your flat panel is. It doesn't matter how many capabilities it has if the airway to it is no good. Do you know what the problem was back in the day of TV? It really wasn't the TVs. It was the airways. It was the communication. They were sending out a good product, but it wasn't getting carried to the source. That's why you had to hold the rabbit ears. That's why you had to do stuff. You know why we didn't have cell phones back in the day? It wasn't because they couldn't invent a phone. We had a phone. It was tied to the wall. (laughs) We had phones, but they thought they needed the wire. It wasn't that they couldn't do a cell phone. It's that they had not perfected the airways of communication. Y'all with me? You with me? Now that the, the communication has been bridged. Now that there's cell phone towers on every corner, and everybody was rising from about three weeks ago when the storm came through, when you, lose, when you lose the tower, you lose your phone. Do y'all know what happened? Do you know why we lost service? Did anybody lose your phone? I had my phone. It wasn't the phone that got lost, it was the communication. It was the airway from where it was being sent to where it was getting to. It wasn't going. God showed me that's what prayer is. When you do the same thing, when you perfect the communication so that you get a pure source from where it's sent to where it comes, there are no limits to what God can do. There are no limits to what they can do with a cell phone. But it's because the communication has been perfected. That's why I had to jump out of bed and go to the den and shout for a little while because I wasn't going to go about to sleep once God showed me that. It is of a necessity that we get along with God in prayer every day to know what God wants. Now, here's something. This is the simple truth. Now, I I believe that every child of God has felt this at some point in our Christian life. Many times it's not that people don't want to know what God wants. We think we're afraid of what God wants. The missionary said, amen. It's not that that we don't really kind of really want to know what it is that God wants. We're just afraid to step out because of what it might be. It might be habla espanol. It, 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 It might be red china. It it, it might be a place where Christians are hated and persecuted. Or it might just be he wants you to be a witness in your job site. It might be he just wants you to be a witness at your school. It might be that he just wants you to live the kind of life in front of your neighbors that they'll begin to understand why you get up and go to church on Sunday morning and they'll begin to want what you want. But because of the uncertainty sometimes, when we see where God can call people in Dominican Republic and places around the world, there's that fear of, of what is it? Can can I plug something in for you right here? And everybody, anybody, if you've ever answered any call on your life from God, there'll be an amen right here. If we will listen to the voice of God, that thing that we thought we were afraid of. (laughs) That thing that you thought was the last thing you ever (laughs) want to do in your life. God will make you love it with a passion and you can't ever imagine doing anything else in your life. God will create a desire if you'll just create a will to listen. God will not send you to do something you hate to do because he'll prepare you to love it before you ever go. So it may take a few years of preparation. It may take one mission trip to Costa Rica to change your life forever. It didn't mind. I never got over it. May take, it may take one, one mission trip to go out here to, to go help Selena hand out food over here to the homeless. It may take one time to go up here and hand out barbecue on the corner and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and the free gift that comes along with the food. It may just take one time. But once we're willing to step into God, what would you have me do and begin to listen? God will begin to prepare us and teach us what it is. We, we, we can't know the will of God. Until we're willing to surrender our own selves and say, God, no matter what, I trust you. When things are good, I trust you. When things are not so good, I trust you. Whatsoever time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. You're never going to get it without an open line of communication. Number five, many times God will reveal his will for our life through circumstances. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It doesn't say that all things are good. It doesn't say that everything that works in your life will be good everything that ever happens in your life. It says that all things will work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That means all things work together. Good things, bad things. Easy things, hard things. Exciting things, scary things. All things work together. Don't let circumstances distract you. Don't, don't let circumstances pull you away look for God's will to be revealed through the circumstances unexpected sickness comes look into the sickness look into the trials look into the the, the troubles look into the tripulate the tribulation look look into the situation uh, look into the circumstances not Adam look into them and then ask God God I'm not asking you to change my circumstances. I'm asking you to change me through the circumstances. God, I'm not, don't change my circumstances until the circumstances have changed me into what your will is for my life. Don't change what's going on in my world until it has transformed, renewed my mind into thinking the way you want me to think. God, don't change a thing until you change me to fit your will. There are countless ministries, countless programs that would have never started had it not been for circumstances. Mad M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. It never existed had a woman not lost her teenage son to the carelessness of a drunken driver. And God instilled in her heart to do something about it. She started what is a nationwide program. Relay for Life is coming up. We're going to go down that in a little bit get barbecue tickets. Everybody got your tickets? All right, there's about 20, 25 down there for sale. If you don't have your ticket, go down there and buy them then. We're, we're going to do Relay for Life. This coming Friday, we have Secret Church for the Men. 7 p.m., 1 a.m., right down here in the gym. The next Friday is Relay for Life. Do you know why you have it? Because you have cancer. If you don't have the circumstance of cancer, then you don't have the necessity of Relay for Life. But, but everybody has been affected by cancer. But somebody said there's got to be a better way. There's got to be something we can do about it. I want to do something to raise awareness. I want to do something to raise money. I want to do something to raise the possibility of a cure for cancer. So through circumstances, through situation, somebody started now, now there's a relay for life. God God doesn't allow circumstances to get get something bad in our lives. God allows circumstances to change some things in our lives. We see those ministries, God used circumstances to get somebody to step out and create a ministry. Here's another one for your note card. God doesn't allow hard circumstances in our lives to destroy us, but to develop us. God doesn't allow hard times in our lives to destroy our faith, but to build our faith. God has a plan and a direction for our lives. God, God has a, a perfect will. And, and it's not that hard to find. You know why? Because it is God's great desire to show it to you. God's perfect will is to show us what it is that he wants us to do. All we have to do is seek for him and, and, and search for him. Band, you guys coming on. I've asked them to do a song. I assume that's why they're headed this way. We, we're going to do a song in just a minute. But, but there, there are there, there are multiple, multiple people in this place. Every one of us is on our own track, our own trail, our own plan looking for God's will for our life. We we come in all different kinds, all different shapes. We come come from all different places. Somebody in here may have never been saved. You may have never asked Christ to save your soul. I can tell you that is not God's will for your life. It is not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I know that for a fact. It's what the word of God tells me. So I know it's not God's will that you should die in your lost state and go to hell. So God's already made provision for that. His name is Jesus Christ. Can I get you to just bow your heads right where you are just for a minute? If you're that person, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can change that today. It's up to you, Father, I am a sinner. That's up to you. There must be confession of the mouth. We know that we're all sinners. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm just asking you, Lord, to, to come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. I'm asking you to come into my heart and save my soul. If you're willing to trust him, he's willing to answer. If you're willing to say, Lord, I've run long enough. I've run as long as I can. Listen, this isn't about church membership. This isn't about Sunday school. This isn't about baptism. This isn't about hearing the gospel this is about have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't, you're lost. And you can change all that. And it's simple. trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Asking for forgiveness of your sins to save your soul. Write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can be a child of God this morning. I pray that you do that. If this is your day. I pray there be a soul saved in here this morning. We ask God to just forgiving to save your soul. But there's other people. There's new Christians. Some maybe are still learning about God's plan. Maybe you're still trying to find some direction. There there are some who who maybe sincerely want to follow God. And know what his plan is for your life. I believe there's some others. I believe there's some others that God has called you into a ministry and you know it. You've heard that still small voice pulling on you but fear won't let you go. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the anxiety. It's, an, it's, it's the uncertainty of it all. You, you may have felt God calling you away from your job into another place. You're like, I, I can't do that. You, you may have felt God calling you into Bible college. I can't do that. Whatever it is, calling you into a ministry. And you're like, man, I, I just, I, I can't do that. It, it may be the reality of you say, God, I, I'm not enough. I can't do that. You're right. You can't. And you're right, you're not enough, but he is. And God's not looking for what you can do. God's just looking for you to surrender to his will. God's looking for what can he do through you. Because God has a great work. There are some Moses that's sitting in this room. There are some Noahs with with the ability and the skill and the mindset to build an ark in this room. There are some Davids who have the ability to slay some giants in this room. The question is, will we step out and be the giant killer that God's called us to be? It's not about what can we do. It's about what will we allow God to do through us. I want to ask you guys, if you would, to, to stand.